0: issue for all women hello jen here happy christmas you lot as a little treat to you and in the absence of regular live shows over the last couple of years we've all gone and picked a blast from the gig cast past for your aural pleasure i said aural you might remember and if you don't you're about to remember forever that at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2018, in the most fucking glorious bit of festival programming ever, Louisa Omelan, Janine Garofalo and Sue Pollard all happened to be in the same city at the same time. Has that ever happened before? I don't know. Maybe. Have they ever been brought together on the stage before, alongside the boss Sarah Millican? Ah Uh-uh. Who could have possibly known what the world had been missing up until that point? Because, listener, if it's not abundantly clear from my giddy tone, fuck yeah, we brought them together on stage. Now, I might have mentioned on this podcast before that Heidi High was in fact filmed in my hometown of Harwich. One of the enduring memories of my childhood was playing the flute, or possibly pretending to play the flute, because could never keep up in the harwich school band as the musical accompaniment to one of the twins from heidi high singing ness and Dorma really really earnestly at the local school fete. in fairness to him earnestly is probably like the only way to sing ness and Dorma, but anyway i digress me and sue had a lovely chat backstage before the gig about how she taught a parrot in the local hotel to say piss off you bastard and from that chat I knew to expect a corker of a show, but nothing could prepare me for the moment Janine Garofalo asked Hannah, What is a Philip Schofield? Or the big reveal of Sue's tiny suitcase? Mick and I stood doubled over in laughter at the bar of the stand in Edinburgh as Hannah stared wildly at us from the stage. It was wonderful. So here it is for you again. Happy bloody Christmas. Don't say we don't treat you.
1: Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast!
2: So we introduce ourselves with who we are, what we do, and then just a random fun fact about ourselves, although mine are usually not fun. Uh, I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I am one of the Standard Issue team. And, oh God, I do so many facts. I'll tell you, here's a classic. I've seen both my parents on fire. What? <laughs> was that just before
1: no. you went to prison <laughs> <laughs> my, my
3: mom
2: was a uh, classic 70s mistake using a gas hob with a caftan on <laughs> <laughs>
4: that must have happened so much yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, my dad was pissed up doing a barbecue and I think he like breathed on it too heavily or something and it all went up yeah <laughs> happy happy childhood <laughs> Let's move down to Louisa.
3: Yeah. Oh, um, hello, everyone. Uh, it's so nice to be here. So my name is Louisa Omilan. I'm a comedian. Um, I've got a show at the moment called Politics for Bitches. And a fun fact I have—sorry, really that fun, but she is adorable. Is I've got a Bernese Mountain Dog, and um, she's a pup still, so she's one, but she weighs 54 kilograms. Um, how, much, how
1: much is that in real money? Because I'm old. Um, I,
3: I, how, many, well, how many
1: stones is that? Does anybody I don't know? know how many stone
3: that is, but I weigh 84 kilograms and she's 54. So to give you to put it in perspective like that, um, and she just likes to jump on my face at four o'clock every morning. So oh. I know men like that. <laughs> <laughs> really quite nice.
5: <laughs> oh, sorry about that. That was just a little interjection,
3: <laughs> darling. <laughs> Feel free. Feel <laughs> I wish she was a man and not a dog, but there you go.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure.
5: Um, uh, my name's Sue Pollard, and I'm probably best known as uh, Peggy Shaw from Heidi High. And... Ooh. Oh, thank you. And it's amazing because Sarah's just written this book, and it's fantastic. And inside, there's a photograph of her when she was really young. And uh, so she says, can you sign this for me? Which I did. And honest to God, I could have been her. The same was so alike. So I, she's now Pamela Shaw. No, as their next name, and uh, I'm having a really lovely time, and it's very, very nice to be here, and thank you very much all for coming. Lovely. Aww.
1: Aww. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. I am Sarah Milliken. I am a comedian and a writer. And uh, thanks for plugging my book, Sue. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, I was called Peggy at school. I was called uh, Peggy, and I because she's my favourite character, so I was always thrilled because uh, I thought she was really funny. But I was also called uh, Norma Nomates. <laughs> uh, so I guess I need to meet a, a Psycho. I don't know. Uh, uh, and uh, I suppose that is that enough of a random fact yeah, to no, a that yeah. Janine name and what you do and a random fact about yourself.
4: Uh, my name is Janine Garofalo and I have a show at the Gilded Balloon called Put a Pin in That. Random fact meaning something, because nobody even knows who I am. So is it something like somebody that don't, don't know about you? Because that, yeah. I could say anything, you don't know anything <laughs> about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 my tights go all the way up to here. <laughs> I can prove it. Perfect. <laughs> Have a look. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, fabulous. <laughs> 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 That's a great fact. <laughs> uh,
5: Hannah, do you answer the, the
1: question? let start with question.
2: Okay, um, first question: um, What is the anecdote that your family repeatedly tell everybody else about you? <laughs> Let's start with Louisa.
3: Oh Lord! The anecdote that my family always repeat about me. My family don't really like me to be fair
6: oh. so they don't really um,
3: they don't really it's always me being like do you remember when I did this and they're like shut up Louisa yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of the other way around. so it's probably um well, yeah. Alex, what door do you tell about yourself then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what anecdote do I like telling tell about myself? um I had a bum operation once. That's not the oh, anecdote no, I want to no, share. No, no. But it's wrong. the only anecdote that... Like, yeah, because everything else I share on stage, so I don't really think of it as anecdotes because it's work. But the only thing I don't share on stage is that I had a bum operation once. So I guess that's the... I had a bum operation
4: once. Please elaborate. Yeah, It's really
3: uh, it's really not that exciting. Um, it's really... Um, uh, basically, I mean, it's not really what I wanted to share, but we're here. I uh, was um, 19 and I was in a club and I was gyrating against this guy. And I was like, oh, he's got a you know, and it, I moved away from him and I still felt something. I was like, oh shit, what's that? It turns out I had an abscess in my butt and it was very big and... Um,
1: you thought it was an erection?
3: Yeah, I thought it was an erection, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I was pressed it, I was pressed it, I was,
3: it was quite large. Um, but I was 19 at the time so I didn't know much about various sizes. I just thought it was, anyway, the point is, <laughs> I uh, left it and thought it would be fine and I uh, didn't think much of it. And then um, I started fitting and uh, it burst through my skin and um, I um, was poisoning myself with my own shit because it was going into my bloodstream. Oh, and, um, yes. and it's a great story. And, um, I, I know this I is
1: you, you're telling this story because you don't have an answer to the question, but if this was your answer to the question, this is like every time your family saw one of your friends, they'd be like, oh, let us tell a, a funny story about Louisa. Fucking hell. <laughs>
3: This is why I don't what have an do. I don't have one. So just, so basically, if you ever have an anal abscess, a go get it checked, and b um, what you don't know is about your bottom is that it heals from the inside out. So anything else, you put plaster on it. So I had to have an open. I had two bum holes for about six months, and it heals from the outside in. So um, I mean, you you asked the question, so. <laughs> I think I may
5: may, make my dinner date later than I imagined. (laughs) Leave it for three hours, not like, half past two.
6: Bless you.
5: I think that's hilarious. I've never discussed bums at lunchtime, have you? Marvellous. (laughs) What about you, Sue? Oh, well, I, I always tell one against myself anyway. It was hilarious. You know, sometimes when you're touring and you, you think, oh, let's go and find a club. But this was in Coventry. Yes, they still do stuff in Coventry. <laughs> what a place. Anyway, uh, the people are nice, but, you know, it's dismal. And I went out for... um. Uh, I thought I went to this club and I saw this book. I thought, all oh, right, on oh, he's absolutely bloody gorgeous. So anyway, of course, uh, he said, "Do you want to come back to my place?" And of course, you do immediately. He was fabulous. Sadly, of course, when I got out into the real world and there was a light on a lamp, oh, you've never seen his eek. That is that is theatrical for face. Let's. He had a bleak eek, which means it was ugly, <laughs> ugly fuck, <laughs> dreadful. I thought, what am I going to do? Anyways, I thought, I, don't, I didn't want to let him down, you know, I would now. But, you know, when you're a bit young, I thought, oh, I'll go. You know, it was all marvellous. <laughs> so there we were, and honest to God, we we're in this bed, and it was the most hideous time of my life because the duvet was bloody Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, perhaps I'm he? in his son's bedroom here, you know. Anyway, and there he was, and, of course, I was going, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. No, but I had a headache because he had this headboard. And of course, I had a headache for a whole month, but he went out and he got me some paracetamol. So basically, never give the impression that you're having a whale of a time on a hard headboard
4: because you're not. It was... oh, do this it is, now. wait, that's, oh, yeah. that's oh, bringing the story, it all your back. Tell- this is the anecdote your family tells. Yeah.
5: Yeah, my family tell it. My mother's ever so, she's forward-thinking, she's 96. <laughs> yeah. She tells it to anybody, that comes a carpet man at it the other month. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Moving swiftly on.
4: Janine, is there a story
1: that your family <laughs> tell about you?
4: Not, not really. And, and actually, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the only thing I can think of is, and it's my older sister, tells it intermittently. Uh, When I was younger, I I wanted to change my name to Pistol. I don't know why. I don't know why that was. It's a cool name. And it's not an interesting anecdote, and I guess that's why. Uh (laughs) It's not that often repeated, but that's the only thing I can Um, Uh, Mine was um,
1: my mum tells this story to like any potential boyfriends. I mean, I shouldn't have really have them anymore because I'm married. But um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: uh, that when I was six and we went on holiday, um, I walked around the beach on my own, which is probably not a good thing anyway. uh, And I uh, it was a topless beach, and I walked around and I counted all of the boobs, (laughs) (laughs) and I came back and announced (laughs) ninety-seven. <laughs> Wasn't very good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, have
6: you got one
2: of these? Um, yeah, yeah. my dad used to like to tell a story about how he came home from work once and I was completely losing my shit. I was about four and I was like... <laughs> and he was like, what's wrong? And I went, oh, Mary, which is my mum, and Tina, which is my aunt, are going on a diet and they say, I can't go. And he <laughs>
6: said, <laughs> And
2: he said, what do you think a diet is? And I said, some sort of aeroplane. And he said, no, it's, it's where you don't eat very much, uh, so you get thinner. And I thought, oh, fuck that. And I have literally <laughs> never been on one since. That was it. I learned early that dieting... Yeah. I have been on an aeroplane since I have never yeah. been on a diet.
1: I'm going to ask the girls, uh, what's the best thing about your work and life? Sue, can I t- start with you? Yes,
5: uh, the best thing about my work is because it's something that I absolutely love 24-7. Oh. So I'm really, really lucky in that respect. Also, you can wear what you like. There's no corporate suits. Yes. It's all fabulous. You know, you don't have to sort of pull up somewhere in the sort of obligatory blue with the high heels, mostly because the CEO was asked for this, even if you've got enormous bunions. And, uh, but, you know, <laughs> they do, I, I prefer, well, I haven't. But no, I just would not do anything ever in my life if I ever could because. I've had the most mo- marvellous life because of it. Fantastic.
1: And what's the worst thing about your work and life?
5: Uh, when you're waiting for the phone to ring and then you think, oh, hang on a minute, it's been at least nine days. Don't like this. But basically, you just have to say, don't you? You can't always do everything. But if I could, I'd like to do every single thing. But also, it's like today, it's great to meet the ladies because while I'm here, I would love to see my fellow artists. But you can't see everything, can you, and everyone? So sometimes that's a, a real bummer. But basically, I don't think there's anything bad
3: really cool I'm so happy doing it. That's so nice. Louisa, um, best and worst? Um, one of the best things I like about the job is obviously to reiterate what Sue said, it's a brilliant job. It's, it doesn't feel like a job, it's really fun to do and I feel like I've created my, oh, what would you like to do? Prance about on stage, wear what you like and people clap for you. I mean, it's a beautiful job. Um, but one of the nice things about it is the hours. I really like having the days free and being able to like do what you want in the day, and not feel like you have to go to a nine to five job. and Then you work in the evening. I quite like that you can, you know, have a cup of tea at eleven o'clock. You can go to the cinema at midday if you want. I quite like the hours. And one of the worst things I think is probably um, how how bipolar it is. So it could be amazing and you can have amazing shows and be brilliant, and then the next day you can, you know miss the train, shit yourself, get a fine uh, not, you know uh, ex- did, you
1: get, did you get the fine for shitting yourself? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was just, um, yeah, it was very inappropriate on a train, so yeah they, um... Just on the platform because you <laughs> missed the train <laughs> It's the two bum holes, it's a, it's a problem now um, So yeah, so I think just the Oh, I'm amazing! No, you're really not Oh,
4: no, okay, so I think that's what's probably quite hard about it Janine? Um well, I guess, uh, like any job, it has its ups and downs. The, the stand-up comedy part of it I like better because I can control it. The acting part I, I don't always like because I, I'm at the mercy of, of of hoping somebody wants to cast me in something. And I, I got much more work when I was younger. And uh, there's not a lot of work for a 54-year-old female. And the thing is, though, I, nobody makes you do it. It's hard to complain about it because it's an elective... And, and, and in, some, in many ways, a narcissistic pursuit, uh, but with self-loathing, in my case, yeah. the appropriate amount of self-loathing. But um, the uh, it, it's a and I have no marketable skills is the problem. You know what I mean? I'm locked in. I can't do anything. I can't do I, I, anything. Basically, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite stupid. I, I, I mean I mean I'm intellectually curious and that's a plus. But I'm I can't follow simple directions and I get easily overwhelmed and. Uh, so even the, I'm sort I'm st- not stuck because I love doing stand up, but I am in a way stuck uh, because I I I can't do anything else. Mm. How's that?
1: Is yeah. that good? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. good. That's fair.
4: Okay,
2: Hannah. Um, well, yeah. The best thing is, I mean, I have I haven't got many complaints. I do like the fact that we kind of mostly we're at home and we work at home, so I can. Like, you know, 90% of my life is sitting in my pyjamas. The other 10% is saying publicly, saying cunt. Um, <laughs> which I like a lot. Last night, last night, I had to set an alarm clock because I was doing something else this morning. And I don't often have to set an alarm clock. But the best thing is, like, when you have, like, an iPhone and you're like, OK, I don't really need to be up for anything in particular. We can work our own hours. So I'm going to get up at 9, Woo! and you spin the wheel on the thing. And it's like... <laughs> get 9.27 tomorrow but that's time I, get. That, I get that little bit of fun of like what time I don't need to be in a certain place at, well I do sometimes but rarely I need to be in a certain place at a certain time which is great yeah
6: what's
1: yours then Sarah um well, I love my job. I think I like that I'm the boss, um, but I don't know if I am. I think the <laughs> sort of thing I'm the boss, and then I think I've got loads of little bosses, and that's the audience and the people who book me for things. And I feel like they're all my boss because they could all go, mm, no, not anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I get to it's sort of I think it's the control thing of a bit like what Louisa said is that you can just do what you like, and mm. obviously it depends on whether the audience like it or not as to whether they come back. But ultimately, the kind of control I love that, and I just I love my job. I love making people laugh. It's simple and mm. boring but I do um and I think um what I don't like about it is I suppose um that I'm a I'm a workaholic and I'm not very like when you do when I had a day job and I worked Monday to Friday night to five I clocked off and I went home and I had a weekend or whatever and I didn't think about it for two days and when you love your job it's quite hard because you doesn't really feel like work a lot of the time, so it's hard to clock off. So it means I work all of the time, and then I sit and cry, and then I think, oh, I should have a day off, and then I feel better. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Lesson learned <laughs> for, yeah. for a, a minute or
2: two, and then <laughs> off we go again. So
1: uh, I think, yeah, I think that's it.
2: you got a question? I have, yeah. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I'm going to start with Ginny.
4: Everything. Honestly, it's... I it's so much more than one thing. Uh, uh, basically, everything. But I would think my neuroplasticity. I, I wish I was. Uh, neuro, my, as I get older, also, my neuroplasticity is suffering. And I also do think, I don't know if I told you this. Oh, sorry. That's There's a sorry. microphone. <laughs>
1: um, it's just
4: for the recorded it's so for the because it's this being recorded. Yeah. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> um, the, uh, I wear Sally Hansen leg makeup on my face, which you're not supposed to do. What's leg makeup? It's leg makeup. You get it at boots or CVS or, or wherever. Uh, it's you spray it on your legs uh, to make it look like you don't have veins and stuff. Now I would never show my legs in public, but I spray it on my face for makeup because it's so fast. You just spray it and smear it. And um, but it says on the can twice to not do it twice. And <laughs> what twice to <laughs> not do it? And and I'm I'm. It's sincerely beginning to think it's affecting my neuroplasticity. <laughs> and uh, and I, I wish I I wish I was brighter or had... The, I, I can't remember things anymore. I can't remember names anymore. And also, my patterns I won't let go of and my weird food issues. Mm. Yeah.
5: <laughs> That's quite a lot, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said it couldn't
4: be one. It can't be yeah. one. It's everything. I know.
5: So. Well, I would absolutely, really, really, if I could, I would have IBS. Now, people say, how could you? But let me elucidate. This stands for ironing bald stomach. That's what I would love. I say to my sister, you cow, you've got IBS. She's 60. She looks about. 59 and a half. No, she looks about <laughs> about 43 and she looks absolutely great. And I admire her so much. God, she's grafted. So I try. But I'm, I'm going to, as soon as I finish here, that's my next thing. I am going to get IBS. I'll let you know next time I come on to see if, see if it's been a success. Because I think we struggle with that a lot of us, don't you? Trying to get a really flat stomach. I do, anyway, myself. I can't Everything else. looking at me and asking that question. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I th- oh, yes. Never mind. Uh, but, no. Sorry. No, but you know what I mean? Though, so I'm really desperate for that. Desperate for that. But I will come with a, with a success story next time. Don't you hear cheer that. Oh. I've got IBS, actual IBS. And
1: I think the amount Im- I shit, I should be a lot of fucking thinner. No. <laughs> but I'm not. Oh, I dear. Don't that's okay. That was it. A- <laughs> Um, oh, what is the question? Should I answer the question? No, I haven't got to the
2: end of this one. Um, no, no, answer the question. Yeah, answer the question, Uh yeah, the question, um,
1: What I would change about myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It sort of depends on the day. Sometimes. It's a bit like Janice. Sometimes there's a fucking list. Mm, uh, yeah. but sometimes it's, I think the overall answer is how I see myself. So I don't know if I need to change any of me, but I'd like to like myself more as I am. So rather than all the work that you're talking about, Sue, of getting a nine-in-board stomach, fuck that shit.
6: I just like to look
1: in the mirror and go, it's all right. That's what I'd like. And some days I don't do that, and I think it would be healthy if I did.
5: Yeah. I think you're absolutely right there.
3: Yeah, Louisa, what would you change about yourself? Um... Uh I wish I stopped caring so much about the wrong things. Sometimes I'm really lazy and apathetic and I do nothing and I'm like, come on, you could do more with your life. Do more, like get up, go for a run, stop being so lazy. Um and I wish that I was a bit more like my family's Polish, like my mum's folk like my mom's polish and I never learnt po I never learnt Polish, I never bothered. And I've gone there recently and every almost everyone in my family speaks it and I don't, I just never bothered. And then I get upset about things like somebody else's opinion of me that I don't even care for. And I stress and get upset about that. And it's like, why don't you, it's like similar to what you said. Like, why don't you love yourself and what you are rather than care for things that you're not? Like, I am Polish. And so why don't you care about learning that language rather than some idiot that you've never met before who doesn't think you're fat, uh, who doesn't think you're funny or he thinks you're fat or he thinks you're whatever. Like, why do I care for that and not for who I am? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I'd just like to be more truer to who and what I am. And I wish I did that more. Yeah.
5: But that might come later on, you know, the more you know yourself. You know, sometimes when you actually grow up with what you are, and then you know, you learn more about life in situations that you find yourself in. And because of that very confidence building, if you like, you probably would learn to love yourself when you're 80 more than you would if you're about 35. It's a bit late then though, isn't it really? You should do it. When you're a bit younger. Because, I mean, you could probably be on, be on the way to heaven or hell. They're 80. <laughs> and, and, and never liked yourself. Sorry about this. It. Sounds it's a bit despondent, it doesn't start it? started off, when
1: you, and I thought, let's listen to Sue. She's lived. <laughs> and, and now, I wish I fucking hadn't. Because <laughs> now I'm going to die unhappy before I'm fucking 80. <laughs> Hannah, what would you change about yourself
6: if you... Well,
2: yeah, there's loads of, like, little things. And because I answer this question a lot, I get to say a different thing every time. Like, mm-hmm. it might this might be the day it actually happens. So today, I would like to be a little bit taller. Because <laughs> yeah. I am really... You're, you're not tall either, are you? Look, I am fed up of having to ask people to pass me things in supermarkets. <laughs> because Pornos. they're so t- yeah. can I, I say... <laughs> Usually breakfast cereal, uh, but...
4: People top. love it when I ask them to... They feel useful, Uh, honestly, because I'm constantly asking people to reach things in supermarkets. I'm five foot one, and they seem delighted by it. I I don't know why, but it's yes, of course I can get that.
2: But it does kind of feel a little bit like, oh God, I need to wait for a man to come fix this thing. No, 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 no,
4: no, no, women. It's this transcends gender.
1: It's just anybody taller than me. Do you you guys do you guys in turn get things from the bottom shelf for people who are really tall? (laughs) I I actually
4: (laughs) that that yes, that some people will ask me like, or I will. Automatically grab somebody's pen. I've even tied people's shoes.
2: I have tied Stringers. people's shoes. I
4: can't honestly. I can't. I, I can't stand seeing people walk around with untied shoes because it's a, an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. They're just going to fall down the stairs. And I will stop and, and tie people's shoes. They they, uh, they seem oddly uncomfortable with it, but uh, <laughs> but I, but people who get things uh, seem delighted. Yeah. By it. So you should not yeah. wish to be tall. I thought you were taller. No, I am
2: five foot one. No way. Yeah, I am also little. I yeah. thought you
4: were taller than me.
2: But Oh, thank you.
4: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, it's a value-neutral statement. I just yeah. I thought you were
2: taller than me. I don't know. I always felt quite competitive because I was ridiculously little. I mean, I am a bit taller now, but when I, was, mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was, you know, when there was that line they used to make you do for what you were being yeah. in a school mm-hmm. fight, I would just go to the end and just stand there because I knew it would be Actually, me. Actually, I was
4: always, a, there was always a little boy the, that, in that age, you know, when little, yeah. little, the, before little boys grow. There's a, there was always a little boy who was last. I was always second to last. But I, I don't care. I think it's harder to be tall, much taller when you're younger. It yeah, seems yeah to probably. Me that they struggled more, the, the, women, the girls that were taller.
2: It was harder to get served in bars, though.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it when was you were harder to get it. served in bars. No, <laughs> it I mean, have been. I didn't have a growth spurt
2: until I was about 15. And everybody else I knew could go to a pub at 15 and get served. And they were like, why are you twelve? Go away! Don't be, You're not going in here. Yeah. Of course, now. So you
4: couldn't drink when you were fifteen. No. Well, actually,
2: I could because my parents were kind of liberal. But, yeah.
4: <laughs> um,
1: I've got a question. Um, tell me about your childhood bedroom, Louisa. What was your childhood bedroom like?
3: Um, it was a box room. So we got. I got the box room in the house, and uh, I was obsessed with Cher, like from the age of about five. I love Cher. And I would have her on cassette tape and I had a Cher poster, Cher um, uh, album covers, um, a Cher t-shirt. And I would, um, when I was really upset, Cher's got a song called Baby, save Up All your tears. You may need them someday. And um, whenever I'd cry when I was younger, I'd put that song on and be like, Cher saying stop crying. Oh. <laughs>
6: Oh, I thought she saying was saying, like, share.
3: save up all your tears, like, in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what she's actually saying is she's saying to a guy, Hi, I've left you, and now you want me back. Well, fuck you, mate. Save up your tears. I found somebody. So I'm glad I didn't understand the whole concept of the song um, <laughs> at the time. But yeah, it was just share, share, share. Like, I think she's amazing. Oh. She's just amazing. I love share.
1: Janine, what was your bedroom like when you
4: uh, were kids? What kid? stage of childhood are you talking uh, about? Whatever stage you like. Well, the bedroom changes. Uh, from child, I mean it does. Okay. From childhood pick to teen. Your, pick your favorite. One, All right, then. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick tween. Okay, <laughs> tween years. Um, because it's the most embarrassing. I actually used to be very religious. Believe it or not, um, I'm an atheist now. But I, I, and it was mostly out of fear uh, of of developing and going into the world. I joined CYO, and I even wrote. And this is so embarrassing. Uh, on my wall. Jesus is my best friend. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous right now to think of that kid. Uh, but when you a Catholic? I was raised Catholic, but I mean, it was looking, it was all purely out of fear yeah. uh, that was motivated by and this is, uh, I'm not going to get terribly graphic, but a pool party wherein a, a male a pool party, a classmate, um, I'm going to try and give this the delicacy of a Bronte novel. Um, <laughs> Uh, f- finger bang.
6: <laughs>
4: How's that? Is that delicate? The no, boys were doing that to the girls in their bathing suit, and I got on my bike and wrote, I was like, if this is what growing up is, I don't want any part of it. And oh. I, I, I turned completely, and my bedroom became uh, an ode to Jesus because I was scared of sexuality. Why in the world am I discussing You even said, don't say anything you don't want printed. But like, uh, who cares? Print it. I don't care. No. They'll be like, I don't know who that is, and who cares? That's stupid. But
5: thank you. Sue, what was your childhood bedroom like love? Marvelous. It had um <laughs> I had this... Um, do you know, you remember when you have, like, a dressing table with the two mirrors, and that was yeah. given to me? It was fabulous. I was never out of that mirror. It was always Hilda, my mum, because I was a hippie, so I've never called her mum since I was 15. She didn't mind. And then it's all, like, lipstick and stuff and everything, and all her, all her cast-off stilettos, which are all marvellous. And then I remember dancing with the hairbrush, you know how you do, to the Dancette record player. Do you know? Do you remember the set ones? And then, and then they, they were marvellous. You know, you could carry them a bit like a sort of a um, a makeup like box, wasn't it? And it was absolutely lovely. And I remember singing my first song, and it was uh, Do you remember? Do you remember Paul and Barry Ryan? Yes, obviously not. Uh, Obviously not at all. They, You know, the mother's about 99 now. And I remember saying, Are you sure you won't be sorry? Come tomorrow. And then suddenly it went, You won't want me back again. And it went slower and slower and slower. (laughs) Bloody nightmare. Anyway, apart from that, and then that was it basically. But I loved that little room and I dreamt of becoming a pop star like Cher. But obviously not. But never mind. (laughs) But, you know, we all have dreams in our own rooms, don't we? And how lovely it was. And if they come true, that's great. And if they don't, well, that's not so great. But it's all right. You're still here, aren't we? Having a good time. That's my mantra.
2: Just have a good time.
5: Good. Thank you. Hannah, what was yours like?
2: Um, Well, I mostly shared a bedroom with my sister. I did have a bedroom for a bit by myself, but then my mum selfishly had another child, and I had to move in with my sister. And she is unbelievably messy, and I am more tidy than that. So my childhood bedroom was basically carnage, and then a bed with a poster of Tim Burgess from The Charlatans on the wall, and that was pretty much it. I was was quite cell-like in my room, and just, just her side of the room was... And it's funny because when we were younger, my mum used to just say, that room needs tidying. And you always felt really affronted that I was like, my side of the room is perfectly tidy. And it wasn't until we moved into houses of our own that you suddenly became very clear who was the messy one and who (laughs) was the tidy one. Because, yeah, yeah, you could literally park on my sister's driveway and you can hear her hoovering and everything, whereas mine is moderately more tidy than that. But, yeah.
4: Can I ask a question? Yeah. What's in your lunchbox?
5: Oh, this here.
4: Yeah, it's Judy Garland on
5: one side and the Wizard of Oz thing. And all I've got... Oh, damn, I'm out of condoms. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs>
4: Oh, it's a purse, it's a purse. Yeah, it's just it's a, a purse. purse,
5: and I just like it, because, you know, sometimes I can't have anything heavy on the shoulders. Can you, ladies? What is the point of that? Now, you're like that, you look like, you know, I hate that. So I'm just trying to have the bare minimum, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have soggy sandwiches that I've forgotten that are in there. But that's <laughs> what's in it, basically. Thank you. I think I'm balmy sometimes. Do you think you're this Do you think I, you are? I think, Never. I think you're Never.
1: awesome.
5: Um, <laughs> my childhood bedroom was a box room, same
1: as Louisa. It was, uh, and I had a lot of Philip Scofield posters. <laughs> um, oh. Thanks. Uh, that when I moved back in after I got divorced, my dad asked if I wanted them back down out of the loft. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but bless him for keeping them. And I had, um, do you remember Athena, the card shop? Yeah. yeah. So I had postcards from Athena of semi-clad men, uh, black and white, because they were art... Uh, and they were just basically men in their pants. And sometimes my mum would go shopping and come back in and say, "Oh, I've got you a couple of pictures for your wall." So my mum basically bought me soft porn. <laughs> that I blue-tacked onto my wall, and the best thing was they had to fit around the crucifix, uh, which was also technically a semi-clad man.
6: Um, <laughs>
2: It's my turn for a question, isn't it? Yeah. What What do you consider your proudest achievement to date? I'm going to start with Janine.
4: Um, when I worked at a radio station during the Bush era that tried to get uncensored news out uh, to people, I stopped doing stand-up and stopped acting for about two years, and I worked with Rachel Maddow and Al right. Franken and Mark Maron and. Um, a number of people and I feel like that's the only important thing I've ever done I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being self-deprecating I'm saying that's the only the, that really is the only important thing I think I've ever done other than you know fostering dogs fostering animals and stuff like that
2: you are also in the Sopranos briefly which I have to right, mention but that's, because that's
4: not really important because I say, no not it, not it is to me you know. no, 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 <laughs> it, was, it was a thrill but I, I, I you meant important in that in some way. Um, oh no, you're right. You, you are
2: right. I just uh-huh. needed to say you've been in the surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Louisa,
3: um, do you know what it's? Uh, it's forging a career in comedy for myself. Something I'm really proud of because I've always wanted to be a comedian since I was really small, and um, I found it hard to get into. And I didn't couldn't get in drama school. Didn't have the money for that stuff. And the fact that I've been able to pursue a dream that. A lot of times I was told, no, 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 it's not for you. I'm really proud of that, that I get to do what I love doing. And um, the second thing that I'm proud of is also, I'm proud of my mum and my mum's love. So my mum passed away from cancer last year. Oh, and so. I'm, um, I'm really proud that, um, of her. And I'm proud that I got to be there with her for her last day. I'm, I'm, proud, of, I'm proud of her. I'm proud, of, I'm yeah. proud to be her daughter.
2: Oh, that's
4: lovely. Yeah, I would have said that. My <laughs> <laughs> mom died of cancer too, but I was a little kid. I was a little kid.
3: Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, mate, you should have opened with that and not the surprise.
6: thing. Have said yeah,
3: that. yeah.
5: Sue, <laughs> so. um, I think I'm just. Um, really proud of my family. my sister were a great unit. My dad died. He was the most fantastic. He was the R man, reliable. And it's just fabulous. And I'm really proud that I was brought up by the family I was brought up with. But most proud, really, of still trying to keep the standards that I developed from when I was younger and still the same person I was when I was about six. Because to me, it means then that you've got some consistency in your life. And also, you know, hopefully never going to get up myself because I really know, you know, I'm grounded. and, And that's what I'm proud of, I think. Thank you.
1: Um, So I I think when you said you're still the person you were when you were six... I sometimes think that I'm still, at least the person I was when I was 10, I went on holiday to America once with a couple of friends, and we were going to go shopping, and one of the friends said, uh, which shops would you like to go to? And without even thinking, I just went, bookshops and pet shops! (laughs) 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 I'm still the person that I was when I was 10. Um, I think, oh, God, I'm proud, similar to Louisa, in that I'm proud that I've got a career, and that I've got a career that I love, and that I, you know, sort of work hard at it. Um, but also, standard issue, I think considering it's, you know, it's not me that does the work, you three do the work, and you do it so exceptionally well, but I'm really proud to be part of something that I think is a bit of a fucking game changer, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, what Sarah said. Um, (laughs) That did that for me. Uh, On an entirely unrelated note, talking about bookshops, there is a bookshop down Leith Walk that I discovered yesterday that I went inside, there was no one in it. After shouting hello for ages, a man appeared and we asked for what we wanted and he didn't have it. But he said, "Um, I can make you a cup of tea if you're interested. (laughs) If anybody knows anything about me, this is like normally the one thing that will make me do anything. And I said, I'm in a bit of a hurry. He literally holds up a bottle of whiskey and does that. And I was like, oh fuck, he knew I was coming. He's trying to lure me in. Mick said, next thing's going to be do you want a nap on the sofa? I'm like, I live here. So it's down Walk, there is an amazing bookshop. They give you whiskey. Uh, I'm proud I found that, (laughs) quite frankly.
1: What you guys like about getting older? Uh, let's start with Janine. What do you like about getting older? Nothing. Nothing at all? <laughs> nothing.
4: Sincerely, nothing. Uh, I, I, and I don't mind telling people how old I am at all, and I think it's important to say how old you are because it's ridiculous when people are reticent to say it. But I cannot think of one... Uh, actually, there's one slight positive uh, in my asexuality... Being asexual now, you don't care anymore if anyone finds you attractive. And it frees up your mind to think of other things, if that's a plus. Um, I think it is. I don't know. I mean, it it is in one way when you don't Mm. care about trying to attract someone. But then, you know, and part of it is that I've lived with my boyfriend for 17 years, and after 17 years of living together, that you know. (laughs) Those days are long gone. Um, did, you,
1: did you do a lot of jigsaws? <laughs> do a, I'm sorry,
4: jigsaw? Like, what? Yeah, jigsaw, Puzzle. like
1: puzzles? I don't understand. Oh, I was just thinking to fill in the time when you normally would have been fucking.
4: Oh, so. oh actually. <laughs> that We don't need to be vulgar. We don't need to be vulgar. I You're do. we standard issue. If you're talking about sexual congress, uh, I never was that much into it, to be quite honest. And uh, I used to drink a lot to to, to be normal, the way other people were sexual. I would always get. It's like you're British. Uh, I don't. Well, actually, I did the 23andMe uh, genomic. Uh, I am 54 percent Irish. Are you? Yes. Well, my my mother's side, my mother's grandparents are from, my mother's parents are from Northern Ireland, and my father's parents are from Southern Italy. And, um, but odd, how can you be 54%? Oddly, it was 54% Irish. So if that, but they don't drink as much as Americans do. That's a myth, right?
0: <laughs> I, I heard it was a myth. I, honestly, I had heard
4: that was a myth, and it was an unkind myth that the Irish drink that much. Is that untrue? No. They do drink. Okay, I'm not, saying, I'm not criticizing either they, way. I'm just saying. They do drink.
2: Quite a lot Irish. I come from an Irish family, and mm-hmm. almost every story I start is well. Anyway, like, everyone was really pissed, <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and it goes like that. But I don't. I I, I think there are or equally like people in Ireland who don't drink because. Right, of, I had like, heard it was, was a myth, but that, yeah. it
4: could be. But I, I used to drink quite a bit d- to be sexual, and. Mm. Um, Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. It's so ridiculous no, what I... I've been talking about on this show. <laughs> Put a mic in front of somebody and they'll just say anything. No, no I, I have a question about that.
2: Yes? If, if you, do you find that if you have decided that you're not interested in
4: that, that it makes people more interested in you? No. Okay. <laughs> there was a brief spike in my 40s, actually, where younger men seemed to be more attentive. Uh, but there's no guy of commensurate age that, you know, there, there is something about a younger guy that finds an, a slightly older woman attractive, but that will change. Once that guy is older, uh, it stops around 40. Like, the men then no longer, like, oh a 60-year-old lady. Like, they, <laughs> then they, they go back the other way, right. it seems. I don't like sweeping generalizations, but that seems to be the case.
5: I agree. Sue,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, would you like it about getting older, love?
5: Um, I just want to embrace every kind of day that happens. You see, I'm fortunate enough to be um, well, happy kind of things in my life, the positive things. And I think if you can keep those positives going, you know, still got on the same knees and the same this, that, and that. But you know what I'm saying? People can really, really focus on the negatives of getting older. And when you think about it, you can really meet other people. <laughs> (laughs) But you can, you can. And you've got to go, do you know what? I'm still having a good time. I've got my health. What what else do I need? I say hello to people. They say hello back. You're doing fabulous things. You know, I just feel that normal things are fabulous. You're still the same person. It doesn't matter. I haven't got so much hair. I've never had any. So, (laughs) inconsequential things like that, I think, are just... It's no good being negative. You can actually teach people things. Some of the younger ones come up and they say, what do you think about this? And I say... I never give advice, darling, but can I suggest this? <laughs> no, but that is, suggesting is not advising. Uh, no, when you, unless, you've, of course, you've, you've got a husband who, you know, you can rule with an iron rod. But most of the time, I just say, can I just suggest this, darling? And they might go, oh, I never thought of that, thanks very much. So you might have helped somebody out. You've got more wisdom, mm. basically, I think. Pass good
3: things on. Nice. Louisa? Um, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? I'm thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Um <gasps> I don't like getting old. I don't I thought when you got older you'd sort your shit out. And it just seems every year it gets is so worse. Young, sweetheart.
4: Thirty-five yeah. is so young. Really? <laughs> have I still
3: got time? I really thought by my thirties, I thought I'd have it all worked out. I thought I'd have career, partner, children, house, everything. And I'm still still just useless and clueless at so many things and it worries me because I think oh you're going to be 36 or 37 or 38 and still not know what you're doing and still be um, on your own not that I mind being on my own but it's just traditionally you're supposed to have been settled down or have a husband or have a partner by then or have babies by then and I just don't really care for those things right now I want those things and also what I don't like is the hangovers I used to be able to get shit faced right absolutely shit faced and I used to work at a temp job where I had to be there at 8 in the morning and I would dance gyrate till half 2 in the morning like off my face on some cheap apple sours having a brilliant time get up at 7 go to work and with an hour I'd be like bam back in the game now I have one cosmopolitan and it takes me a good four and a half and a days to, reco- <laughs> to recover so I don't like I don't like
4: that I don't like that change. Can I just say something I think is piggybacking on what you said. Uh, it is not having your life together to be married or to have children. That's a, that's a, a goal people put. And do you know how many divorced people, you know, if you had been married younger, you'd probably be divorced. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I'm a pragmatist. Come on. Come on. Marriage is an institution that was invented around the 12th century when people routinely lived to about the age of 23. Fine. Now people live to about 90. It's untenable. It's untenable to be with – and it's also a myth that that's what your life together is. And I think a lot of people really hinder their own progress by thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not married or I'm not with a partner. I don't have a home. You don't want to be a homeowner. You know, living with a mortgage is a, is a burden – it's a real burden. But
3: I guess I think, like, even from a biological perspective, that you think, oh, you've got to have kids, you know, you have kids. And like, I'm 35 and I don't see myself having children anytime soon. And you go, okay, 36, 37, 38. So then am I going to put myself out of the running for kids? You go, oh, so I'm not ever going to be a mother then.
4: Having kids it's is just... overrated. Uh, I, it is overrated. I, I've never wanted to have children because I'm risk averse. It's that simple. Oh. And, I, and I have seven nieces and nephews. I like other people's kids. I really yeah. enjoy no, other people's yeah. children. The amount of anxiety. And fear that comes with rearing a child and stress. And also, you couldn't have... What you're pursuing in your particular career path, it, it would make it difficult. Yeah. Not that it can't be done. You would need a wife. Yeah. You would need a wife that's or how a I partner feel. that's, that's how, that's to, exactly how I feel to do right the heavy now, yeah.
3: I feel like you have to pick two without... Sorry to keep talking. No, darling. No, I, no. I feel like you have to pick a side like you either have to go for a career with this stand-up thing and be like right I'm just going to give it all my all or you go okay I'll go for a more regular job where I've got regular hours I can meet people I'll have a mortgage I'll pay off and I'll meet somebody and I'll settle down like I haven't yeah I can't see the two
4: but what is settling down what does that mean and and, you know think about how many people who who are dissatisfied who have done just that they thought that was the answer to something it's not it doesn't fill a void uh, but also, you need a wife, is what I'm saying. You know, you can. Yeah. You need a partner, whether it be male or female, yeah. who is willing to do the birthdays yeah. and the carpool yeah. and, and 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 get mm. the kids to school. Then you can do what you want. And that's why most males can can do can do what they want. And, and there's got to be a wife. And there's house husbands too. And that's a good thing. Mm. Luckily, that's changing the stigma of house husbands. But mm. I, I always. feel feel when I hear people say I I don't have you know and you're so young I find Mm. that strange because it's not the answer to something that's not having your life sorted
3: I think it's because also because my mum passed away last year so I know so (laughs) so it's well well, you know then don't you like the difference like she was my family so now she's gone you go who's my family
4: but see every your friends are your family you Mm. choose your family you know just because you're related to somebody you know I do not get along at all with 99 percent of my family uh you know, their politics. Their yeah. And you, and you make family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the beauty of modern culture, mm-hmm. that things have changed, stigmas have, have changed. Mm-hmm. You do what what is right for you. And if you if you keep hanging on to what you think you were supposed to have done, mm-hmm. you'll always feel like you failed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Sorry. you guys, uh, the listeners out there yeah. just missed some gold, just yeah. missed some <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. From the elder statesman,
5: yeah. black I'm very gold, sorry about it. and I'm 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 trying to do my very best to get rid of total ageism. I can't I can't bear it. What are you supposed to be like when you're 32? What are you supposed to be like when you're 80? Ageism has to stop, and sadly it's catching. Over the years, it's because of the way you're brought up, the way society is as well, and people. But luckily, that's going out the window a bit more now. It's like you're talking about traditionalism sometimes, and perhaps I should be like this at 35. Uh, no, you should be um, or, or all you should be is happy. Every decade that comes that you're in, that's it. Just embrace it and never ask for anything else, to be honest. I think. Live for the now, be mindful. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I, I, I agree. I'm I'm forty four, I don't have children. My forties have been way better than I think any decade since Everybody just did shit for me all the time. So what's that? Nought to ten. Um, this, is, this has been the, 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 the best one yet. Yeah. I could do with a butler. Not a husband or a wife, but a butler. Just somebody to reach the high things. And, and when I come in and I'm like, oh, fuck, no one's bought milk. And I'm like, but only I live here. And I've only got myself to blame. It would be great if there was a butler. But,
5: but the thing is, Sarah, because if you don't mind me asking, because you've got another very nice husband. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> I know, but the other way. One
1: after the other, they weren't at the same time, but yes.
5: But you see, I think it's great because you obviously, that was the path that you wanted and you've thoroughly made a great decision and you're enjoying that, so you would advocate that.
1: Yeah, but I didn't seek it out. I wasn't sort of, you know, I mean, I was divorced. (laughs) I definitely wasn't looking for another one. Um, But then met somebody and fell in love and it wasn't something I was looking for. What I was looking for was something... I guess something to fill the gap of my marriage because it had been... It meant a lot to me. And then Mm -hmm. I got divorced and I had this gap. And I thought, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the gap. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started doing stand-up and I started to talk about my divorce on stage. And it, it sort of... It felt like he didn't love me, but all of these people did. (laughs) Or at least like me for the 10 minutes I was on stage. And that filled the gap. And that was what I did. I threw myself into work. I think my proper job that I had in the civil service, I think they thought, great, she's going to throw herself into work. She's going to do shitloads of work. And I didn't. I threw myself into comedy instead. (laughs) Ah, civil service, fuck you. Um, and, uh, And that's where I met. So it was purely doing a thing that I love that... Allowed me to meet somebody and fall in love. It was yeah. never something I sort of looked yeah. for. Never wanted kids because I've got furry bins. As mm-hmm. have you. I feel like a mother sometimes, and I know real mums don't really agree with that. But <laughs> shut up, having a dog's just the fucking same. I, I, <laughs> I also really cannot
2: believe that any woman would look at male comedians and think, "I'm going to become a comedian so I can have one of them." <laughs> <laughs>
4: Fair I Disagree enough. with that. I, <laughs> oh, really? I like. I used to be fascinated, by the, the, like but like George, George Carlin. Him. Actually, no. I. I dated oh, really? met, you know, it, It's it's case by case. You know, there's <laughs> some good and bad in any walk of life, but, or any job. But I used to be in love with Albert Brooks, George Carlin, um, did, uh, Bill Murray. You know, what I mean, like I, I just was like, oh, that's what I I need to be with a comic. And I thought, oh no, I can just do. Stuff. I can just try and do yeah. it. But I still find a lot of funny men incredibly appealing. I think if, if people are funny, smart and funny, I find that unbelievably appealing.
2: Yeah. Oh Well, I'm being unfair, because there are a lot of great male comedians, but like <laughs> when I used to do but comedy, yeah, there was a few that I was like, oh,
4: Jesus. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Richard
5: Pry was marvellous, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Richard
5: Pryor. Yeah. Do you know, some of the Americans are just fantastic. Phil Silvers, did you like him? Oh, I love Phil Silvers. But they're all dead, all the ones I like. They're gone. Phil
4: Silvers. (laughs) Can I ask, did you ever meet Richard Pryor? No, no, I never have, but I have met George Carlin, Albert Brooks, and Bill Murray. And I I feel like I could die and go to heaven, if there was such a thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm sure there is.
2: (laughs) Um, I wondered uh, if... Uh, you could tell us your favourite fringe story. It could be this fringe, it could be a fringe of days of yore. Just something that really sums up the Edinburgh Fringe for you. We'll start with Sarah. Oh
1: no. Um, does it ha- oh, can it be a good thing or does
2: it It can be um, a good thing or a bad thing or uh, something in the middle. Oh
1: Because something- I don't drink so I don't have loads of like, oh there was this time when I was pissed at the fringe. I don't have those stories. Um Oh, can I tell you something about Product? Was that really weird?
6: Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, it's ten years this year. No, since I meant. Yeah,
2: you can tell it. Yes, I yeah, can. It's weird, Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's
1: ten years this year since I won the newcomer award.
2: Oh wow. yay!
1: <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, no, I feel realised, like, the other day, because I, yeah, I never know what year it is, or month it is, uh, and I realised, and I was, I just, I'm quite proud that I've managed to fucking sustain it, but <laughs> ten more years after that. So, yeah, it's not. Uh, the funniest thing uh, that I ever heard at the Fringe uh, is a friend of mine told me uh, that uh, was uh, Ronnie Corbett was up doing, was he doing a show, was he just watching shows, I can't remember, and they'd uh, seen him in the street, my friend had, and she said, did you know, that Ronnie Corbett's wife looks at Ronnie Barker. And that is the funniest thing I've ever heard at the fringe. And I've seen many shows and performed many shows. But she was she is taller and white haired and it's uncanny. <laughs>
3: um, there you go, that's fine. <laughs> Louisa? Um, I, I, I learned a really good lesson at the fringe it was about the summer fire so five years ago I did a show called What would Beyonce do it was my first stand up show and um, in the show basically the whole thing is I was mad in with this guy he dumped me because he wasn't ready for a relationship and then he started dating somebody else straight away and they got together so the whole show is all about um, him and her and fuck both of you and la 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 and um, I was doing the show at the fringe on the free fringe and a girl walks in and it's the girl that he's started dating <laughs> and she comes in and I was literally like six months ago it was six months after we'd broke up and, and I was like oh fuck oh shit like this is not the show to fuck up Louisa this is not the show to fuck up and I, um, I did the show and I nailed it and I had a brilliant show and she was like oh my god that's amazing babe oh I'm gonna call him tell him all about it I was like cool thanks thanks <laughs> and, um, and she let, it was a really hard show to do, to do and ever since that I kind of feel like whoever's in the audience I can handle it because I did it in front of her and what I was proud of myself was that day I did really well. But then the next day, I think it had like a, like a backlog effect because the next day I went on stage. I said my first joke, the audience didn't laugh. And I was like, well, fuck yourselves then. See if I give a fuck. I don't need you. I don't need any of you. Leave. I need you, my stupid friend. who so you're going to love me. Why can't you make me laugh, bitches? Make me laugh. Fuck. You. And I ran off stage crying and um and um afterwards the audience members came out and they're like oh we we're really sorry we weren't laughing and i was like it's, it's okay it's just yesterday the guy's girlfriend came in it was a really hard show and they were like oh we're sorry i was like thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably my favorite um, fringe memory yeah
6: oh, <laughs> <laughs> janine
4: uh Well, this is the third time uh, I've been at the Fringe. I don't really have a a crazy Fringe memory, but I have a visceral feeling of rage at I can't walk on the sidewalk freely (laughs) in City Center and the silent disco people. (laughs) Are going to get it. Honestly, like, there's, no, there's no appreciation for context whatsoever. And you add umbrellas, you add umbrellas. Nobody does a tip, a fine, how do you do to the side? You know what I mean? Like just citizenship. You tip your own, you know, as, as people are walking, there is no, the, the, the lack of consciousness of people on the sidewalks. And you're, you, if you could play chicken with everyone, you'll lose every single... You will be in the garbage of the street because they'll never move. They'll never move. And, and when you get into city center... And I feel so thwarted. That's my Edinburgh fringe memory. (laughs) (laughs) People suck. No, they don't. don't, No, people don't suck. But there is a a decided problem with with manners on the sidewalks in the city center of of just stopping. And it's the same in New York where I live uh, in Times Square. Edinburgh is a beautiful city. I I understand it. It's a privilege to be here. That's why people come. It's unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they, the guy wants me to shut up. Um, but I, it's the same in New York when, when you are thwarted, li- literally. But when it rains yeah. and umbrellas are added into oh, it, into you it's unbelievably irritating. So sorry, people. But I, I like people. I'm not a misanthrope. I'm not a misanthrope. I'm a pragmatist.
2: Yeah. I'm a misanthrope.
5: Sue? <laughs> so? Well, I'm a virgin. My, well, obviously, you know. Obviously not at my time, I don't want to go back on open like the postmistress, no, if you see what I mean, well I've never been before you see, I've been before like doing weekly tours, so I've never done a fringe, and I thought it was all about, you know, years ago, to do with hair, who had the shortest haircut or something, anyway I really like it, well you know fringe, and I really like it, oh you got it, oh great. I thought, well, I'd better mention it just in case. Uh, but I really, really like it. But it's so it's funny. It's, a, it's really weird. You're doing your show, and this one that I'm doing, it's really quite... It's funny, but it's a bit sad as well, and it's kind of thoughtful. And then you just get into the thoughtful bit and it's, yeah, from the next place. I'm in this thing called the underbelly. Well, I don't know what belly I'm in. I think it's white. I passed the deli belly and the jelly belly. And if you go in the wrong door, you know, fuck knows what belly you're in. But you know what I mean? But anyway, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I will definitely be coming again. Well, nobody has asked me. But everyone's been very nice. And thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Hannah, what about you? Uh, well, we went to see um, Janine last night and your, the venue you are in, I I used to do comedy and I did that stupid thing where I just decided I was going to become a comedian and didn't really like do any gigs and found myself up at So You Think You're Funny, like finals going, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I was a bit nervous by this point and at the side of the stage, I don't know what's at the side of the stage now, but the side of the stage then was just a, like a wooden step and they said to everyone, just watch yourself on that step because it's not the best and I was like oh I'm fine and I bounded on the stage really enthusiastically and I hit the step and the step went from me and I landed like face first down on the stage and like skidded across it and I was like oh, fuck it, I might get some sympathy vote in here. I just made the, the worst. Did,
1: did the audience think that was like a setup? Did they oh, yeah, think it I was like, I, I oh, she's do, doing slapstick? I, uh, yeah, I had
2: to be like normal Wisdom for the entire rest of the <laughs> thing now. Um, no, I didn't win. Uh, it didn't win me, the sympathy vote, but I did remember that last night, just thinking that thing where you like you really want to cry, but you're like, oh, man, there's loads of people looking at me and I have to say Aww. something funny, and my knees have splinters in them. So, I'm glad you didn't enter there like is that no, yesterday. There's no, st-
4: there's no is there, not? there, no. Oh, they... And also, you mean you came from the front? Because it's backstage. I came from oh, the backstage Well, area. we were,
2: like, there was, like, however many of the people are there are in it, like 12 of us oh, or something. So we all had to load up from the side of the stage. Um, yeah, that
4: step's gone. Yeah. But there's a plaque with your name on it. <laughs>
1: Wrap up now. I think. Do oh
2: no! Stop it.
1: Oh. <laughs> um, we should plug the
2: podcast. Oh yeah, listen to the podcast because it's we do one of these once a month. Um, we've got great lineups, um, and then the rest of the time we do like a sort of magazine newspaper style format where we talk to women about issues that matter to women, which isn't makeup. It's you know other important things like politics and the news, um, and but it is also funny because because
1: you are all funny. Yeah. So it's well, kind you of can hard say that.
2: It's a fact. We'll though. just pass the compliments of the person <laughs> on the line every time.
1: Uh, yeah, and if you, could, if you do listen to it and you enjoy it, please tell your friends <laughs> and like it and review it and all these things on iTunes. It's very helpful to help us get it out a bit further. Uh, you've been an absolute delight of an audience. You really have. Thank you Yay, so much for coming. Uh, please join me in thanking our excellent guest, Sue thank, awesome thank you. Thank you.